Hello and welcome to episode 93 of What Most People Think. We've got big things coming up, big things on the horizon. The 14th of June is the announcement as to whether or not the government will stick to their plan or continue to concede to a nation of absolute fannies. So let's hold our breath for that. Uh, hopefully you can hear uh, someone laughing in the background there because co-hosting, back co-hosting is Andrew Doyle. Welcome back to the show, Andrew. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, man. Of course, the 14th of June sees something else, which is arguably bigger than the roadmap, which is, of course, the launch of GB News. There's that, yes. Well, it's actually the 13th, I think. It's the, the Sunday first, night. The, the Sunday night. But yeah. we don't, the, the first big news days is, is going to be them. Look, I've just got yeah. that wrong, basically. I don't need to work around that. <laughs> I am. So obviously, we'll be talking about that a bit later in the show, because Andrew has his own show on that channel, which is kind of like a comedy panel discussion thing. Would that be a good I mean, way not, to describe it? I wouldn't say it's a panel show, because it's not like, you know, a sequence of one-liners pre-scripted that everyone sits in a row and delivers. What it is... It's, are you saying panel shows people <laughs> up and actually work out the stuff? Uh, it's actually no. It's a bit more. It's a bit. It's a discussion show, really. It's a review show where we look at the stuff that's happening the week and discuss it uh, spontaneously, genuinely spontaneously, and we're not we're not trying to make everyone laugh all the time. So Which, it won't have. Will you have that kind of fake laughter that lockdown style shows have developed? No, I want it to be a somber as possible i want everyone sitting there really sort of bleak well like um, remember shooting stars with vic and bob where they'd have that moment where they just cut around everybody looking miserable yeah like that exactly now i just want it to be like authentic discussions and not you know like i'm gonna mostly have comedians on to be honest yeah. um but i you know i want them to actually discuss things rather than try and make each other laugh because actually i find comedians not that funny in, in real life they're not really, are they? I mean, that's the thing is, I mean, this is going to sound like a way of sucking my own knob, but is that quite often when I've done interviews with journalists, they'll go, oh, yeah, cheers for that. You actually, you actually sort of said a couple of funny things. <laughs> You're quite naturally funny, though. and you, you, But you Thanks, have, man. I don't have that. I, I have to script absolutely everything. If I'm doing stand-up, every little thing has to be scripted and I absolutely couldn't rely on spontaneous humour. I don't have any. Uh, so well, that, it's just it's just a desperate need for me to. I get close to a, a serious point or something of value and meaning, and then and then a joke is a way of me avoiding at the last minute having to engage with it. Uh, well, there's always some psychological issue why people go into this career. There has to be, you know, because why would you do it? It's it's either a chronic narcissism, or 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 like you say, an avoidance tactic to avoid or chronic Nazism, right? Bit of that. Yeah, comedy, you yeah. know what we're like Jesus. Those right wing comics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got, just a quick chat before we get into sort of the cuss count and the new patrons. So you've been. We'll, we'll talk more in detail about GB News later in the show. But you've been kind of rehearsing for a couple of weeks. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, basically, when it when it starts, which is very soon now, uh, we want it to be as as good as possible, and it won't be perfect straight away. This is the thing, you know. I mean, I, I think if people are expecting everything to be absolutely set from day one they will yeah. be disappointed you know it's, it's going to take a while to to work stuff out um but i think it's better to get it up and running you know and um we, so we're just rehearsing as much as possible and and uh it, we're in the studio and it's all look it's all looking really great so everyone's very excited so yeah i mean the thing is i think a lot of people will be uh have this expectation of what it is in their heads which doesn't really match reality you know you've got all the the, the protesters and the stop funding hate people who think it's some sort of far right <laughs> channel yeah, uh, yeah. Even, even though it clearly isn't and they haven't seen anything a lot of people saying oh it's a new fox news even though it couldn't be because mm -hmm. we have offcom regulations and anyway no one wants it to be so that's the other reason why it's not going to be because no one involved wants that yeah so um, you're, you're, what you've been rehearsing man you're rehearsing your dog whistles my dog whistles <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> making sure that your dog whistle works properly you know i think actually the people who are making those claims they're the ones who are going to be most disappointed because they'll they'll be like oh this isn't this isn't what we wanted it to be. they want it to be of course they do stuff. they want it, it to be this really reactionary thing and and for the most part it's um you know it's not going along the rolling news style it's it's it's, it's not it's not trying to bury the BBC. It's a different. It's a different approach know. to the news. It's you know. It's 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 that's what it is. And so well, I think no, we found we found ourselves talking about GB News now. So, so so let's go into that a bit further. I mean, that is one of the things about Brexit, right? One of the biggest problems was 
for the Remainers that they made all these predictions and you sort of thought, well, a lot of that stuff couldn't possibly happen. And if they'd have actually made sort of more tempered predictions, they might have been proved right in the long run. I sort of feel like some of that has played out with GB News is that they've They've kind of gone, well, it's going to be like worse, worse than Fox News. If they'd have, you know, I just, I think that they're going to have egg on their face, but will they accept that egg in their face or will they try and find proof that they were right all along? This this tendency to catastrophize seems to be pretty normal now. I mean, yeah. like you say with Brexit, if they hadn't have gone down the whole army on the streets, everyone's got super gonorrhea type of thing, yeah, uh, yeah. then they might have been proved right. You know, um, if they just just stuck to, oh, well, maybe well, there'll be a slight downturn in the economy for a short yeah, while yeah. Yeah, or yeah. something like that, um, they would have been all right. But because they said everyone was going to be eating each other um, in order to survive, then now they look stupid. Yeah, so similarly, I mean, I, I, I think it's just the case that you have this small contingent of activists on Twitter that make a lot of noise that aren't representative of very many people, to be honest, um, who um, just they're not really interested in the truth. This is the big thing. So even, even when they're proved wrong, they won't admit that they're wrong. You know, that won't happen. No, no, no. They'll just, they'll just present a false version of reality. Well, what we were saying Um, last night when we spoke was that they'll find one 20 second clip of, of something that was dodgy, right. From the focus, if it's a rolling news channel, you're on 24 hours, there's going to be something right. And they'll selectively edit it just before the host actually challenges them. They'll share right. that on Twitter and it will say, and so it begins, 145,000 exactly. likes. That's exactly what's going to happen. But, you know, you just got to ignore those people. They're not, they're not the majority of people. People aren't like that. But the thing I've learned about these, these activists is they can't admit they're wrong. I mean, what this I find fascinating. You know, if I say something that's factually wrong and someone corrects me, I'm grateful for that because I mean, it means I'm not going to make myself look stupid any more than I have to, you know, because I yeah. can correct myself. And I got into this argument on Twitter with this guy saying, you know, I know that you're secretly a racist because you've never said anything uh, about the Windrush scandal. And so I posted a link to me talking on Sky News, criticising yeah. the government for the Windrush scandal. And they couldn't say, oh, sorry about that. I miss, I made a mistake. They doubled down. You know, they found a way to double down. They couldn't just admit they were wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and they can't do it like because so much of it is driven well, by... Because how you form... Yeah, like they've probably spent so much time talking at at dinner parties and with their friends. I mean, it's almost like the, the cliches about right-wing comedy is one of the things that happens if, is if I'm in a situation and I'm evidently funny to the degree that enough people in an audience laugh that it doesn't sound awkward, is that it will then be like, well, he's not really right-wing or kind of, oh, that was canned laughter. So you sort of think, oh, there's a point at which I can disprove these people, but there actually isn't. You can't. You can't. And you just They're need so wedded to worry to about fictions. it. They're so wedded to their fictions. I mean... People get very angry. Some of these activists get very angry when they see me do clips of stand-up and people are laughing and enjoying it. So yeah. they come up with all sorts of stuff like, oh, um, oh, you've just stolen all the jokes. Or I've had, what have I had? I've had someone say, um, oh, it's, just, it's obviously canned laughter. And all this, it's like- Oh, look a, how white the audience are. Or whatever, <laughs> you know. Uh, why not just admit that, you know, sometimes people can are good at something that you don't happen to like. So one thing that's annoying about the kind of uh, Fox News- apocalyptic <laughs> four horsemen of the apocalypse cultural apocalypse is that they they did i say fox news then or gb news well it doesn't matter because they're interchangeable of they're course they are they're exactly the same thing but it's the way that they seem to think that they're the first person to have made this 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 observation or this prediction you just seem to go i wouldn't worry about it it's just going to be a british fox news you go like that is like the most common view i mean i think it's wrong but i find it just more annoying that they think that that they don't realize that that doesn't make them some sort of uh global cultural commentator to have made this connection uh, I, I would just be embarrassed making um a statement that a million people have made before i just think that yeah. the, the, the criminal lack of originality would prevent me from doing doing it but the, you know they don't it's like people just saying oh is this going to be gamma news it's like they, they, you know if you're that unoriginal just keep your mouth shut because you just seem like an idiot well they just know? they just well, i mean it's like every time that the idea of right-wing comedy comes up jim davidson trends which one yeah. makes me think that I haven't really been doing my job properly, that I am nowhere near to being the go-to lazy reference point. You should be the thing that trends every time, every time. I, I want to be the lazy reference point. So <laughs> it's, it's whenever they say it, like, so there was somebody that said recently, I think Lawrence Fox, was it Richard Tice, said something about opening a pub and having some right-wing comedy on. And then people were going, oh, what, Jim Davidson eating gas? I was like, fucking... You're too well-liked. 
booked by the lefty comedians. That's the problem. Like they, they you know, you, you're 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 too popular, and I, I think you need to be hated more by the other. You need to be more tribal. Yeah, I, I just, I, you know what, forty four now. I'm struggling to do the tribal thing. I just, I'm not because the point is, Andrew. I'm never angry. I'm the worst. I'm is confused. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. I can share that. I, you know, I don't have this tribal instinct at all either. I just, I, I don't, I don't get it. One of my big things when when we were to, uh, doing the early discussions about the show on GB News is that I wanted, I want it to be whether it will be this or not, but I want it to be where people can we, almost that we can prove that we're able to have discussions with people we disagree with civilly without calling anyone a fascist or getting upset. That's it. That's basically the idea. The the problem I'm facing, of course, is a lot of the people. Who are so entrenched in this culture war nonsense won't 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 even come on. Obviously, yeah, they wouldn't yeah. even come on and talk to me. Um, but that's see, that's the goal because I just don't have those tribal instincts. I, I've never understood the idea of feeling threatened when someone disagrees with you. I've never got it. Well, it shows a, a fundamental, quite tragic lack of conviction in your own point of view. Perhaps. I, I, I mean, I, in a way, I'm so arrogantly certain that I'm right about stuff. Is when when I hear. Uh, things to the contrary i just sort of think oh that's an interesting take that is wrong but i'm you know i'm kind of it's kind of cool I, to hear I, it. I have the other other problem i'm constantly doubting myself all the time but then maybe... like that paul whitehouse character in the fast show which one oh, so there's one where the, whatever the last but whatever the last point that was made to him was he got well that's it he'll just immediately gravitate towards that point yeah, there's a thing about when the last thing you hear is the one you're convinced by no i don't i don't have that but i'm always I'm always thinking, could I be wrong about this? And but but I don't. But the thing is, because when you argue and when you get into debates, there's no point in doing it unless you take a certain standpoint, unless you unless yeah. you do so robustly. So I don't do that. I don't question myself in those contexts. But afterwards, I'll always reflect and think, oh, well, maybe I'm wrong about that. And that's. I, I think that every, I think everyone, especially if you've had a falling out with somebody, it's almost. I would love to be that single-minded that I could just sort of stride. I, I think people like Trump must have that. I think that that is. Yeah. That is kind of dictator level. Like the moment you have that, you probably get scouted out by regimes. Uh, <laughs> you appear on their dictator database. A dictatorbase. Dictatorbase. You're you're on the ball with the puns today. This I is. Know, but uh, I don't really like puns to be honest. So I actually both was pleased but lost respect for myself at the it's, same it, time. You're a master of wordplay. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's like your your comment earlier about narcissism and Nazism. You went straight there. You managed to find that connection. My brain doesn't work that way. I, I no, I will it. have to shower afterwards because I don't. I don't believe in puns. Um, right. We we'll just do a quick, quick count. Well, it's, I believe in them. Like they happen. They, they exist. It's absolutely you no. embody them without unwit unwittingly, <laughs> pun wittingly. So uh, a, cuss count. <laughs> a cuss count for last week uh, was 0.43. So it was a guest episode with Francis Foster, and Francis weighed in with 11 swears on his debut, which is pretty solid. Uh, uh, he's got a foul mouth, that He's one. got a foul mouth, but I, I, I expected more from him swear-wise, actually, as a South uh, Londoner making his debut. Um, just as an update, your place, uh, second on the leaderboard, uh, second place, uh, on 21 swears. That's after three appearances, so seven per ep. So the average isn't massive, but total swears. But is that me or you in the episode? Is that me? But that's you. So I have a oh, okay. You know, like starring a reasonably priced car on Top Gear. Yeah. So I don't know if I started this since you were last on, but we now have a cuss count leaderboard. So really, no, should I actually make a conscious effort not to swear today? Then, or well, should this, I? This is the great moral quandary: is whether how you feel about swearing is where you take it now. I like. Um, I do like swearing occasionally because it has a certain force and and it's a, it's a way to sort of liven up your rhetoric. Yes. Uh, but if it's used sparingly, it's more effective, right? So if I swear every other word, then it won't work at all. Um, yeah. You know, so I agree with that. I mean, for me, it's punctuation or a gap while I'm trying to think of something funny to say or realising that the funny thing I was going to say isn't quite funny enough, so I have to put the word fucking in front of it. Well, maybe I'll... I mean, because it doesn't... It's not natural to me. I'll only do it if I... It's like a... You know, I, do, I, I know that I, I have friends for whom... Like if it, Scottish people use these words as punctuation, like, you know, quite casually. Scottish people, I'd say it's talented swearing. Yeah. Um, like when me and my wife went to see, who is it? Hibernian. It was at the Edinburgh uh, Fringe. Somebody's already going to get annoyed by the fact I said Hibernian. Hibernian. Hibs. I, I wouldn't know. I, I, is it a place, football team? What is it? It's... Well, it's a team in Edinburgh. But right. weirdly, like neither of the teams in Edinburgh are called Edinburgh. They're called Hibernian, Hibernian, and uh, Hearts of Midlothian. Right. 
just one of you call yourself Edinburgh City FC, all right? Yeah. They're probably now, I think there is actually an Edinburgh City FC. Um, but like the swearing, what they did was they were putting swear words together. So we heard the words shite cunt for the first time. Ah, uh, creative shite. swearing is great. Yes, yeah, it's lyrical. It's lyrical. I think, you know, when the uh, when people from the uh, the lesser nations do it, Andrew, I can uh, I can well, sense I mean, it's like I can sense their spirit. There's that phrase uh, in the History Boys, the Alan Bennett play, the the uh, cunt struck, which is the, <laughs> uh, which he likes because it's a compound adjective. But you know, <laughs> it's and an, I know it's, exactly what it means. <laughs> yeah, he's cunt struck. You know, I mean, and you get it. Um, so I like that sort of creative use of of, uh, of language. But you know. I'm going it to does. say that those two will count if David Domain, who compiles this, is listening because it wasn't. We weren't talking about previous totals. You, okay. You've got two C bonds there. Uh, but I was quoting uh, Francis de la Tour in the in the play. Sorry, mate. The only ones that are excluded are ones that when we're referencing swear words from previous episodes. So okay. but, no, look, I, I respect it, but it's up to you where you take it from here. Now you're, you're two in early on. Do you build but, an innings here? Oh, you know, I'm going to get, I don't want a reputation for vulgarity, but, you know, the thing is, there's, there's, a, there's a literary precedent for this. You know, I, I wrote an article recently about obscenity and I made the point that, you know, Shakespeare spells out the word cunt in Twelfth Night. That's three. No, that's not me, that's Shakespeare. So Shakespeare... Don't but, blame but, it on Shakespeare. For- <laughs> <laughs> he has Malvolio do it. Malvolio's reading a letter from this woman he's in love with and... He, he spells out the letters of the handwriting, he says, oh, I recognise her handwriting. These be her C's, her U's and her T's. And and was a contraction of N. So he spells out the word because he's the Puritan. So Shakespeare gets him to spell out the word cunt. And we and we all laugh at him. Um, and that's the joke. It's quite funny. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, that play is genuinely funny. Yeah. Olio mugs himself off. He thinks that someone fancies him that doesn't, and then they trick him into wearing like awful cross guard stockings or something. Yeah, exactly, because that that, that was associated with Puritanism. But this is the weird thing I get today. Like when we use, I often use the the phrase Puritan to describe the the woke movement or the social justice movement because they have they have a kind of expectation of moral purity, and that's what we mean by that. And and I've had people go at me like, oh. You don't know anything about the Puritans, you know, they're not actual Puritans. I know they're not actual Puritans. We're using it in the standard yeah. way. Like like, like when you, you describe a Philistine, you don't mean... Yeah, they don't self-identify as Puritans. They just think that they're bang on correct about life. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Anyone who has this kind of expectation of complete purity, anyone, like anyone who looks over at people's old tweets and expects a 15-year-old not to have said anything daft, that's a Puritan in the, in the, in the, in the sense... I'm not talking about someone who's worried about kneeling during the Eucharist during mass. I don't mean an actual Puritan. I mean yeah, the way yeah. that we all use Puritan. You well, know? you know, there's a great quote by, this is the only Shakespeare play that I really remember, so I can talk about and make myself sound clever. But um, there's a great quote by Sir Toby Belts that said, does thou think because thou art a Puritan that there should be no more cakes and ale? And Good. you see how apt that's going to be when Public Health England used the pandemic to try and tell us where to smoke, when to smoke, what to eat, how to eat, how much of it, this stuff. I mean, I did a show called Taking Liberties a year and a half ago, and it turns out that that show was just in the wrong place in time because I think I might have to just do the same tour again in about two years. I I mean, where do you think we are now? I mean, what what do you think the announcement's going to be on the the 14th of June? I think that the government have have been party to... um, sort of making it seem like it might not happen because then you get the most glory for it happening. So they've kind of said on alternate days, they've said, I see nothing in the day. Oh, I've seen something in the day. I've seen nothing in the day. Oh, I just saw something in the day. So when they say, we've given you your freedom, Matt Hancock will benevolently let us do things that we should be allowed to do in peacetime anyway. And, but there will be these caveats. So I think that they'll carry on with a work from home thing. I think face masks will continue in certain places, but Look, I've always been a bit of a COVID centrist. I can live with that as long as the opening up happens. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really got involved in this debate at all on the grounds that I don't understand viruses. I know nothing about about how they work, and I, you know, I don't want to profess to, to have any expertise whatsoever. But I haven't yet come across anyone who can explain to me, and I do mean this seriously. Why, if if everyone who is at risk is vaccinated, or at the very least has had the option to be vaccinated? 
why why is this still going on? I don't understand that. No, genuinely... the, remit, the remit has moved, and I think that we talk about the Overton window in politics. The Overton window for acceptable risk has moved during this pandemic. So it started off, yeah, um, vaccinate the vulnerable, and has now been vaccinate fucking everybody, even though, you know, the proof about its effect on transmission is a bit woolly in, in, in some yeah. respects. Now, I've got to say, if there is a good reason, they need to convey it better because I've listened to all the arguments and I'm still baffled why um, you would you would keep a society locked down when everyone who is at risk is no longer at risk. I think maybe it's just that now this is the only thing that we're definitely sure we're good at. So we're just going to keep doing it. <laughs> OK. You know, like rowing in the Olympics, like that's the thing that we always win gold medals at. Let's OK. Do, let's just do more rowing. Let's just keep fucking vaccinating stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. It doesn't really affect me. Like, because most of my work is at home anyway, until yeah. I start, obviously, going into the studio every day. But, like, it's not, you know, I, I haven't been adversely affected in the way that a lot of people have. But I, I, I don't get, like, I, I heard an interview the other day with a specialist, um, and he was asked, you know, what, why, this very question. Yeah. And he didn't really have an answer. And I thought, well, they're not, if you don't have an answer, then there probably what? isn't one. It is quite incredible when you talk to somebody, you know, in the know about face masks. It does seem that, that there still is an absolutely objective scientific proof that wearing face masks is better than not wearing them. It seems logical to me that wearing them would help, right, if you're expressing droplets and stuff out into the air. But there are also yeah. the other factors of whether or not people clean them or change them, whether or not that, that affects people's sort of sense of risk, whereas they think they can be closer to people. And also whether or not if you're in a place for long enough, whereas it becomes a moot point, because you've just been sitting there long enough that your shit's in the air anyway. So I'm open. I really want to believe that we've done this big, big thing. Yeah. But when it seems, I've seen it on numerous shows where people are asked directly about this, they're a little bit cautious. Because well, I mean, they have to be. Is, is right at the beginning of it, you know, Fauci, the WHO, what they said about face masks was what they genuinely thought at the time. And they were unsure that it was better than not wearing them. I think the WHO were pretty clear that they were they weren't good for you that they weren't helpful um yeah. or, or was that a lie because they wanted to keep face masks yeah there was that it was it was wow. like a, a virtuous lie where where maybe they're just like us maybe their level of knowledge is not beyond <laughs> well it feels like it would help <laughs> uh, you know a lot of people just grappling in the dark i mean like the, you know this thing about the the, the wuhan lab leak theory yeah. which is now apparently not a racist theory because it's coming from biden's administration but yeah. it was racist when yeah. it was coming from trump's administration <laughs> i mean this to me is just is just hilarious and, and this is sufficient now to say can we now just all agree that big tech censorship is bad right because they yeah. were just they were just cancelling accounts left right and center for anyone who suggested this now they're saying oh it's probably true um so okay so then maybe you don't know everything and maybe you shouldn't decide what we can and cannot read um we're just going to do our new patrons now we've got uh lindsay berto berto i don't know how to say that lindsay berto lindsay berto sounds like a, a sort of lancastrian philosopher uh is this a joke name emily esky is that like emily or have i just insulted your family name there Emily that sounds real to me. That sounds like a real name. Emma, it's a fucking great name. I and mean, we spoke a lot about how alliterative names work very well. Okay. Um, Emily Esky, very good. Emily Esky, you sound a bit like a pop, pop star, you know? Bit yeah, like... I, I should have changed my name. I think I needed, a, like, Dan, Danny Doyle would have been better, wouldn't it? That would, imagine if someone had that name. Um, <laughs> Paul McDermott. I think, Paul, one thing I should say with patrons is every once in a while, a uh, patron, would, would, we just did the, the payment for June and they, they just kick people out and they don't let them know that the payment hasn't gone through, which is a great, you know, it's a great way to run a business. So I think Paul McDermott has been mentioned before. And also there's a one name Alex there. And I think Alex was a patron before maybe that's signed up. Also, Paul Seddon. Yeah, I'm seeing some familiar names here. So if you want to still be part of the Patreon stuff and all it offers, and let me tell you, there's a big offer coming. Fuck it. I'm going to drop it. I'm going to drop this bomb right now. Is I, I have a full hour cut of my last tour show, uh, Taking Liberties. And as a thank you to the Patreons, I'm going to drop that, Andrew, because I use words like that. Yeah. I'm going to drop that. that. I'm I can't say things like that. I'm going to drop this. I'm going to drop that content uh, <laughs> very, very soon. That's coming up uh, just as an... Uh, a mark of appreciation. It will be woefully outdated and some of the stuff won't make sense, but still, it's yours. Carl uh, Goddard. Carl Goddard's quite a cool name. Or, God, this is what I always do. I always insult my my noble patrons. Carl Goddard does sound like one of those people that killed three people in Norfolk or something. 
Um, in the 70s. I, I don't know. I think it sounds more glamorous than that. Carl Goddard. I feel, I'm thinking of cross between Carl Sagan and, and Lisa Goddard, you know? That is glamorous. Yeah, it is. With glamorous Michael, and intellectual. With Michael Parkinson and Lisa Goddard. I don't even <laughs> know what that was for. I don't even know what show that was from. I think Maybe. you just made it up. <laughs> it was it was a chat show. Name that tune. I don't fucking know. And then I owe an apology to uh, somebody who circumnavigated the system by making their patron name their business name. CS Support Services. I uh, ex- I speculated last week as to what it might be, and I got it completely wrong. So I said to the owner of CS Support Services, IT Network Fucking Solutions. Probably I'm probably getting it wrong again now, but that's the phrase. Is that he could write his own slogan for this week, and he has written. CS support services. We won't fuck up your network like Jeff fuck ups fucks. Oh my god, I got that wrong. You even fucked up the phrase "fucked up." <laughs> we won't. We won't fuck up your network like Jeff fucks up. Shout out. So there you go. Okay, you've had your you've had your pound of flesh to keep the. It's good that you've got all these supporters. I hope I haven't alienated any of them by quoting Shakespeare dropping the C bomb. That's that's would be something I would be feel very bad about. I think they will love it. Yeah, they will probably that'll now be their favourite play. Okay, fine. <laughs> what <are we> going? <laughs> what other swears did he do? Uh, just do a quick thank you and a fuck you. I've got a couple this week, but if you want to jump in for yours, Andrew, you can. Uh, thank you. I went to York at a weekend. Thank you to Haley and James, who the previous week I'd been away in Wells next to the sea, and I'd said that I quite like people recognising me, and I thought that was good. So Haley and James come up and said, well, you said this was okay. And we had a nice chat while we were having a bit of afternoon tea there. That's the kind of stuff you do with a missus, kind of stuff stuff that straight blokes do that they would never have done in their life. Is is afternoon tea, spa days. (laughs) Well, you know, I think think gay people do it as well. I I went punting the other day with my partner in Cambridge. I mean, that's pretty- Did he take the lead on it? Well, actually we paid someone to punt for us. Oh both- no no sorry! It sounded like I was also making a sexual reference. Did did he take? What I mean was was, was, that, was the desire to do that coming more from him? No, it was a bit of both actually. I mean, like I I don't normally do, I I didn't do punting when I was at Oxford, for instance. I like it's not something I naturally want to do. I think we just it we're getting old, and that's like an old old thing yeah. to do. You know? I've, I've punted. I've punted. Yeah, and I'm just trying to think of other things like you know when you see people that where they've been roped in are walking down sort of like little lanes with independent shops and just mooching i i think lockdown's done this to me because i started walking a lot because of lockdown and, yeah. and there's loads of fields around here and 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 i've started i've developed an appreciation for nature um which is very much a sign of middle age well no no i i'm probably with you on that one i've noticed nature more but maybe just because there's been less happening <laughs> I, i've noticed a lot of nature and there's loads of sheep around it i was chased by bees here which hadn't happened to me before um, cause I heard, I, I remember Jamila Jamil talking about being chased by bees and I thought, oh, she's, she's catastrophizing. She's talking nonsense. And then it actually happened to me. And I thought, actually, this is pretty horrible. Cause you know what they do is they collide with your head to show you that they're, they're on, onto you. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, no, and, and, and then I Googled it and they said, if a bee collides with your head, it's not an accident. They're signaling to you that they're about to swarm and they're all going to come at you. So run. That's what it yeah, said. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I, I was a good, you know, I was, it took, took a good 20 minutes to shake off these bees, you know. But you look, I mean, if, if Jamila Jamil was right about that, what else? I mean, she... that, that's what worries me because, I, you know, I've lived my life on the understanding that she's wrong about everything. And now <laughs> now I've discovered that she's correct about bees. I, you know, you'd have to go go through her tweets, mate. She might have been right about other stuff. Yeah. Um, fuck you is uh, to pubs slavishly using the apps to order things. Now, understand table service is a thing, but sometimes these things don't work that well. And we can use our human judgment, okay? And we can have a system whereby we go, okay, you've clearly given it a good go. You're both in tears sitting there trying to work this thing. Because we we went to a, a slug and lettuce. Uh, I wouldn't go to a slug and lettuce normally. I, I'm not because of the table you have to book a table i think everywhere's now presuming that they're exclusive and so when you get there right. i spoke about this last week but they're like so have you booked a table for the slug and lettuce i'm like yeah i wouldn't have done this in normal peacetime okay the only reason i'm here is because you were the only place left with tables free at quarter past six all right yeah so please treat me well and then the fucking app didn't work and we ended my wife ended up paying 10 pounds for a mojito that tasted of shit see our local is better than this you just text them 
with what you want. Text. Yeah, why can't we do text? Yeah, it's easier. You just say, oh, it's table 24 here. Let's have a G&T. And you can put little smiley emojis and stuff. It's much more, um, you know, intimate. This is going down the route of uh, last week's with Francis Foster, where we sort of concluded that stuff needs to be like it was in the past a bit. <laughs> well, well, that's what conservatives would say. Yeah. You know? Well, I know Francis Foster, he, I'm, still, I'm still hoping that he's going to fully come over to the dark side. I don't... Well, he hates socialism with a passion. So I think he's, you know, because of the whole Latin America thing. <laughs> oh, of course. Well, yeah, fair enough. His mum lived under communism. Yeah. Speaking about people that hate Marxism, that does get us into our first big subject of the week, which is taking the knee. Okay, so I guess taking the knee at football matches, this is going to be a rolling subject, subject, but let's have a quick recap. Is that We're getting fans back in stadiums now. We've had a couple of England games where there's been some booing, right? There's been some booing, which has sort of generated a fairly similar response in centrist media. I don't know if there's like a centrist media WhatsApp group where they just say, right, what is the party line? There probably is, you know. On BBC Breakfast, fucking GMB, what do we all think? And Well, let's all just sort of come up with a binary conclusion that every single person that boos uh, is part of the problem and therefore um, a racist. So initially, the first question there is, is, is how helpful is it, Andrew, to sort of dis- dismiss every single person that boos? I personally would say that obviously some of those people would be racists. I think everyone would agree that. So what we're arguing about is the percentages. Well, I, I don't know if they are or not. I mean, so the, the point is that no one knows what's going through anyone else's mind. Mm. Um, the accusation of racism is extremely serious and should only ever be made with incontrovertible evidence for it, yeah, not just an intuition. <laughs> and well, I'm um, just going on the law of averages. I sort of think for every thousand people, there's going to be some racist. So I think you can just extrapolate a bit. But you could say that about anything, anything literally, you know, like a, a queue at Tesco, you know. You could say some of them are going to be racist, you know, but like it's it's. But I mean, my local Tesco, I, I do think that's accurate. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> There's often racist abuse being doled out every single queue. I think the obvious the obvious point with this is that the the, the taking of the knee to a lot of people has uh, political ramifications mm. that relate to uh, a Marxist, anti-capitalist, anti-nuclear family, uh, um, a potentially racially divisive group. So there's that. And it does have those connotations, whether you like it or not, for a lot of people. For some people, it doesn't. And they've decided that the, the gesture simply relates to um, being opposed to racism. Mm. But given that 99 percent of people are opposed to racism, you've got to ask why so many people would be booing. And of course, the obvious point is it's the political ramification. I mean, look, it's it just seems a no brainer to me that 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 uh, we can't make generalizations about anyone in this um but to, to just dismiss everyone as being racist for for opposing what they what they see to be a political gesture is is i think madness well yeah it's just it was so simplistic literally if you do this you're i mean it sort of was a bit redolent of the the um brexit debate wasn't it if you've yeah. done this then then you were that and i think that there was so there were contradictions within it i mean one of them was people sort of saying they're far right, and then scoffing at the idea that they would be political. Let's say, for example, that they are far right. I would say if you're far right, then you definitely are political. And the people that are most likely to be perhaps a bit hypersensitive about Marxism would be the far right. I mean, if there's anyone yeah, sure. in society, right? So you can't simultaneously call them far right and then say that, oh, they're or as if they're as if they give a shit about Marxism. They're the main shit givers about Marxism. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I just say, like, I think the 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 element of prejudgment in all this is astonishing. And, and mm. I ultimately, isn't it just the more likely explanation rather than mm. rather than for, let's take Millwall, who apparently voted in a black player as their player of the year, two years running or something. So the, the fans overwhelmingly are not racist. That's clear. So we know that. Um, isn't the more likely explanation that people just don't like being preached to? Well, absolutely. I mean, so the question is, we, this was started after the murder of George Floyd. So I think we can, that was legal, that's legal, isn't it? There was a conviction. Yeah. Uh, and then it's been done every week at, at, you know, loads of football grounds. I mean, it's been done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. So I think that there are a lot of people, me included, that are surprised that we're still doing this, right? Yeah. Um, these are football matches and they are 
a place people come for entertainment. So you have to, even if even if you're going to conclude that there's quite a few races, you have to allow for the fact that it's obvious that some people would just be thinking, I don't feel like this is the arena for this to be happening every right. single game. Yeah, I think people need to understand why people have such reservations about Black Lives Matter. And it isn't because they don't think Black Lives Matter. You know, it's 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 because they're concerned about some of the the group's aims, and also the uh, the hyper racialization of society, which leads to ultimately a more racist society. You know, some of us are liberals who believe in treating everyone the same, irrespective of skin color, sexuality, and gender. But that's about. Oh, quite shut up, Granddad! You know that's that's <laughs> our fucking doily with his fucking old fashioned. We've moved on. We have to. I know we have. We've moved on. Yeah, we've moved, moved on, but somehow moved back. It, it does feel like a little bit. I mean, they, I, I personally, right, so I have reservations about whether, you know, we should still be doing that at every single game. I wouldn't boo that live. I'm not, I, I wouldn't, just, I just wouldn't do that. But what, so what that makes me wonder is how many, so forgetting the actual small number of people that are booing, how many people feel like me? I think in a way that's a more interesting stat. Is I, how many I people, think most people in that audience are probably just tutting, but you don't hear that. Mm. You know, because booing's quite a. Uh, I don't. I. 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 I can't imagine booing as a. It would be very unnatural for me. I don't know if I could even produce that sound. Then I suppose on the other hand, if you're in a crowd in a football stadium, what other form of expression do you have that will be audible? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. So you know, if you want to express your disapproval, I can't think of another way you would would do that particularly. Uh, and if the players are allowed to express their political viewpoints, then surely the the the. Fans they all got signs that were really specific about it that said, whilst yeah. I support the concept of improving um, black equality in modern, modern Britain, I am somewhat opposed to some of the core objectives of the political groups associated with said movement. They should put that banner up. I mean, it's going to take up half the stadium, but, but it would at least, it, we would have clarity then. Okay, just a quick section for hyping stuff here. Uh, Andrew, I mean, obviously the GB News show, your first episode goes out on what date? Good question. Uh, 19th, is it? I, I, I'm, I'm 19th. On... I know that from an email about a thing, actually. Okay, yeah. Well, my, my, my show is on a Saturday, and then the other shows uh, that I'm in, will, I, can, I cannot possibly predict, because it depends on when stories are going to break and stuff, so I will appear during the week on various other shows. And your book, uh, Free Speech and Why It Matters, is uh, still out for people to buy? Yeah, hasn't sold out yet, so you can buy that. <laughs> nor, nor is mine. Nor is mine. Gutting, isn't it? Why don't you treat yourself and get a little Doyle Norcott, have a little threesome with us? Get you know. Actually, go- they're, they're good complimentary books because yours is very funny and mine is deliberately humorless. So I think that would be you do know, a, pay, a couple of pages on each, flip flop it, and, yeah. and I I think obviously you know we're not we're not going to be going abroad now, are we? I mean we can't go to Portugal. Well. And I'm so, excited about this. I've got to get away. I know I want to get away, but but get away in your mind, okay? Like me, go to York or Jorvik, as I've recently learned the Vikings called it, and just just have. I mean, I, to, to be honest, I often see. I mean, not that I check my Amazon ratings ever, but I often see that our books are suggested as people who bought this also bought bought this. They they are because we we are part of the the evil right wing cabal uh, yeah. in the comedy world. Funny enough, the other person that is suggested with is Paul Embry. So. We're part of a right-wing cabal of which two people aren't right-wing. Yeah, but that's it. You know, it, well, being right-wing doesn't mean you're actually right-wing. No, it just no. means person who annoys me with their opinions. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Cool. And, of course, I am on tour uh, late in September. We just added another show uh, in Monmouth. I think Manchester's now sold out. And I know I keep banging on about it, saying this is going to sell out soon, but certain venues are going to... I mean, don't get me wrong. If you want to come to uh, Leeds and Milton Keynes. Those are big rooms. They're 50% sold out. So we've you know, sold a couple of hundred tickets. So you've got a bit of time there. But there are a lot of other venues where you might want to get on your skates. Do, do people even get on skates? Get on your hoverboards, kids. <laughs> That's very Back to the Future too. I don't know if people... Well, speaking know... of Back to the Future... Go on. Is this we... a serious segue? Well, I, I'm going to try and make it one. So we had the thing with Ollie Robinson. Uh, the cricketer who was be- basically is making his debut for England. Then it, on the second day of play, it came out that his tweets had been doxxed and he had said racist uh, and sexist things. And and the reason I'm trying to do a Back to the Future link was I did a tweet saying that if you remade Back to the Future now, it would be a person going back eight years to delete their Twitter account. That would be the main thing 
that they, it wouldn't even be that big a difference in time. It's that people in 2012 did not understand what Twitter was for or what it was capable of, right? So even yeah. people like Munro Bergdorf, who was the LGBT activist, all these tweets resurfaced of her going on about, uh, you know, calling her friends, shut up, you fag, and all this sort of stuff. Because it, And so she was accused of homophobia. Chrissy Teigen was, was uh, I mean, pretty much did bully a female personality and sort of said, oh, kill yourself, you know. Um, so these are left-wing figures that, that have had this in their, in their past. And they yeah. weren't as young as Ollie Robinson, or, sorry, as left-wing Twitter's calling him, Tommy Robinson. Are they really? Yeah, well, I thought maybe like two people, but... You know, that, and then the story broke, was it yesterday, about the uh, the the England, what are they called, cricketing board? They're now investigating ECC. a second player. Yes, so they're, yeah. And they're investigating a second player who was, for one tweet he sent when he was 15 years old, right? So I think I think what the, the cricketer, what everyone needs to understand is that teenagers say stupid things, then they grow up and the problem is solved at that point, right? So we don't have to dig up everything they ever said, you know, and how far back do you go? Primary school? the womb i i don't i mean this this vengeful instinct to just go trawl through it well let, you know we could solve this right now there is literally no one uh who hasn't said something in the past they regret no yes, one or on, a, or on a whatsapp group within the last week and particular yeah quite and particularly teenagers they say really stupid so forget about it i mean it is that simple for me i don't i don't understand why well let's let's play let's play sort of you know Wokey's advocate. Okay. okay. So it was a mixed bag. There was there was a tweet where he used the N-word. And I must say that one in particular, I think in 2012, white people still thought they could get away with using that phrase colloquially rather than as an act of race hate, unless there was another one that I've missed. He sort Isn't, of he tried to sound like a rapper, basically. Wasn't that one a joke uh, about because the thing he was announcing was so banal, it was about a toaster or something. Yeah, he said he said something like a real N-word. Um sort of turns off the micro microwave a second before it finishes. Right. right. So so the joke is the juxtaposition uh, between the gangsterism and the banality. Of yeah. The and just, that you know, in 2012, there were there were a lot of white lads that sort of thought they could get away with that as, as a colloquialism. Um, there was a, a, a lazy racist tweet about Muslims. I would say that because I think the thing is, is we're talking at the moment about you know, connecting Jewishness with the Israeli state. Mm -hmm. If you're, you're sort of implicitly connecting Muslims with terrorism, I think you have to say that that was, I, I don't think when I was 18, if there was Twitter was around, I would have tweeted that. So that was a fair cop, right? You know, and then there was something which I probably was the worst one in a way, which is about a sexual act on a woman who'd just gone to sleep and was just waking up. That was, that was pretty dark. Yeah. But, but all of this can be viewed, as you say, through the prism of, who was he and what was happening at the time? He was 18 and he was showing off to one friend, I think, actually. Yeah. Sort of seemed to have mistaken Twitter for a WhatsApp group. And, you know, the question is, they, they, they've suspended him to have an investigation. What, what can the possible findings be beyond, I mean, unless they think he's part of some sort of far-right combat 18 type group, what can I, they possibly find? Well, nothing. I mean... You know, is it not the case that all of our cells in our body regenerate every seven years so that he is literally mm. a different person now? Like yeah, from, every part on a cellular it. level, he is yeah. a different person. So the idea that you should hold him accountable for something he did as a as a kid is is nuts. I'm not even convinced that those tweets are anything other than a, a poor attempt at humor. I'm not convinced that they are anything more sinister than that. You know, I, I get very worried when, you know, for instance, when rugby lads in a university who are chanting songs that are very offensive to most people and they are offensive to a lot of people and they are said that they are endorsing sexual assault and things like this but of course it's a misunderstanding of the humor they're trying to outgross each other and yeah, the, yeah. the very fact that they sing about those things is an acknowledgement that those things are morally repugnant that's part of the point of the joke now it might not be a joke that i like and it might and it isn't the sort of joke i would tell and it's not the sort of joke that a lot of people would tell but attempting to understand their sense of humor before you damn it would be a good start at least rather than taking these as literal expressions of someone's viewpoint which they are most certainly not I mean, if, if he's tweeted that a year ago it's it's a very different situation right well, he you, you know like it's like if i'm a teacher and i tweet a really dark joke it compromises my position to do my job properly so that's not the same thing as cancel culture you know you know you 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 have to behave in a certain way online but if i tweeted something when i was 15 <laughs> to a friend and I didn't anticipate that maybe in 20 years time I'd be doing a job 
a teaching job or whatever. You know, that's Twitter wasn't Twitter wasn't as political in 2012. It's, it's really worth saying that the way that we used it as a social media platform was completely different. It was a lot more fl- mm. frivolous and it was a lot more about communicating with a much smaller group of people. Um, I, I mean, do you, do you have of, anything in your closet? Do you have any old tweets that you think you better? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, look, I, I sort of feel like, you know, we, we all wonder, will that day come for me? Right. And so I don't think there is anything, but I, I, I really would, I'll say this now. I'd hate myself if I apologise when I wasn't sorry. That's one of the things I've always said in comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've had this discuss- discussion with my wife and I've asked for her permission to do this. Is that, And it might cause us issues as a family, but just as a, as a human being, I cannot apologise if I'm not sorry because I think that's wrong. I agree with you. I don't think anyone should apologise if they're not sorry. But I also think actually in the current climate, even if you are sorry, it's probably a bad idea because when you start apologising, they absolutely go for you. I mean, I'm lucky because I don't... Ha- you, I mean, you've you, you've seen my stand-up, but I, I don't do controversial stuff. I don't. My my sense of humour doesn't naturally take me to dark places. No, so no in a sense, I, yeah. so I don't have that track record of of those kind of things. But 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 I I I, I really worry about you know I've got mates who are stand-ups who are, who have said really controversial things that would yeah, put yeah. this you know they could be absolutely destroyed for it, and I I really worry about that. Although it does seem as though comedians do get a free pass to a degree. Maybe part of it is is that one of the plebs is attempting humour. Maybe part of it is this kind of snobbery. Maybe. Well, I mean, it, it does feel like, it, you know, if Tina Fey can just say, she did blackface four times, right? And I mean, she, That's a lot. That's a lot of blackface. That's a lot of, yeah. I think, like, and she, <laughs> she did all those as an adult. And this is what makes me laugh about when they spoke about blackfaces, it was always like, when they, you know, when the right-wing comedian thing trends because of something that was said, they go, what, is he just going to go on and do blackface? It's like, I think you'll find pretty much all of the comedians that have done blackface would identify themselves as left-wing. Pretty right? much exclusively. And that's, yeah. And, of course, whenever someone has done blackface, it's normally to mock the idea of doing blackface. It's normally mm. really knowing. Four times, though. That's a and lot. That sounds, like a, that sounds like a fetish, yeah. That's, yeah, a, di- yeah. That, that's a different... That's either lazy comedy or not a coincidence. I mean, it's so, not lazy, is it? Because it, to apply the makeup, that's quite a, a, an effort. It, that's a lot. I mean, of... and that's the point. You're sitting there all this time, four times, never yeah. occurred to you that maybe we could find another joke here. I, I, We spoke earlier about, you know, changing your mind and how little space there is for that in public discourse. I listened to Michael Vaughan on Test Match Special. Michael Vaughan, I would say, is, is quite conservative, at least in a small seat. And he kind of defended the reaction from the ECB because he said look, <clears throat> they have to do something, all right? Like the, the backlash, if they do absolutely nothing, is going to be an issue as well. And he kind of identified it as that there were more extreme actions open to them. And apparently there were calls from within the game, right? These are senior figures within the ECB for him to be removed from the game as it was happening, all right? And then, you know, there's the other option of, of leaving it at the, apolo- at the apology. So what he was sort of saying, and maybe this is a conservative way of seeing the world, which is seeing the world as it is, not as you wish it to be, is that there were two polar opposites, which is one, just take him out of the team straight away, or, and two is do nothing. And actually sort of taking him out for one game was the, the compromised position. What I, do you I think? I don't that? buy it. I don't buy it because why is doing nothing such a big deal? Who, who, who are they afraid of? What, where's this backlash going to come from? It's only a, a small handful of activists. Why do they never fear conservative backlash either? Right. <laughs> they never fear. It's, they it's, only fear left-wing backlash. What are they worried about? A few mean tweets. <clears throat> Give me a break. Like, what, he, he apologised, which is more than he needed to do, because like, he's apologising for a, a human being who doesn't exist, a child, basically, who doesn't exist anymore. So why not just say, OK, he's apologised, that's it? So a bit of further context on him as a person, and I don't know, I don't know, I, I, I haven't heard of anything else that was sort of racial or sexist or anything, but that he was a bit of a bad lad at, at that time. So there's a few counties, yeah. he moved as on. As a lot of teenage boys are. Absolutely, and he got sacked from, but but that still, people throwing that in, is like, well, unless you can demonstrably prove that that was to do with, with like bigoted viewpoints, that's oh, irrelevant. I mean, why not just accept that people change? This is so fundamental to humanity. The yeah. idea that we can't forgive each other for past transgressions, it's, it's inhumane and, 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 and counterproductive to oneself because all of us have things that we regret, as I've said before. I mean, this is... Well, I mean, I've got to say, I've got to say, you know, as a part of with me as playing devil's advocate, to hear that there were senior figures in the game that thought he should be withdrawn from a test match as it was happening, I think is fucking astonishing. And there's also a cricketer called, ex-cricketer called Michael Carberry, a lot of respect for as a batsman, but he was speaking to Naga Manchetti and he was like, he should never play test cricket again. Well, I'd and like he... to see that person's uh, entire 
history, digital history, text messages, yeah. emails, and then we'll see how pure he is. Yeah, I'd like to see his his digital history when Mitchell Johnson was peppering him with fucking bouncers left, right, and centre. That he didn't say some bad stuff. <laughs> Sorry, I'm making a very specific cricket reference there. I actually know nothing about cricket. I mean, at all. Um, well, one sport is, is is he's got a lot of time to talk about stuff, and I think that what Michael Carberry is essentially saying there's a much wider point is that he's literally advocating a one strike and you're out policy for a historical 18 year old. I, I don't I don't just think that he's wrong on that. I think that that is fucking insane. That's actually vindictively insane. And how and what what are they going to do with this other guy who was 15 when he did his tweet? What are they going to do about that? I mean, is this is this a trend now that we're just going to start? This is another reason why you have to nip it in the bud and say, no, we're not doing anything. Because once you've done it once, you'll be expect. Basically, I think they'll lose the entire team. If, they, if they're serious about trawling through every team members, uh, yeah. they'll lose them all, basically. Yeah, and then, there and must then, have been some funny chats on the actual players' little WhatsApp groups. Yeah. Well, so they're going to have to get like papier-mâché players or something to stand in because they won't have anyone left. They would this. all have been, I bet you any money agents would have been like when they broke for lunch on that second day. Hey, uh, hey, James Anderson, uh, it's just your it's just your agent here. Look, man, just 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 to be safe, just to be safe. I've just done a little word search on your tweets and I've kind of deleted your account. OK, give me a call <laughs> if there's any problems. Just, just to finish, I always do a few reviews. If you leave me a five-star review on iTunes, I'll read it out. If you read, if you leave it on the other formats, I don't know how to find them, but you'll be helping me. I do appreciate it. I think there's only one this week. Uh, this is this is from Sparky McFly, who's from Newcastle. He says, what most people think is a cracking title. It's a fairly basic title, actually, I would, I would argue. For the podcast, as most people really actually do agree on 90% of the topics. Give up. I was going to say, give up the good work, fella. He actually said, <laughs> <laughs> keep up the good work, fella. And Andrew, keep up your good work, mate. Thank you. Uh, so 19th is your first. You'll be popping up on GB News. With I'll your... be popping up in the week, yeah. So it launches on the 13th. So there's a show on the Sunday night with um, Andrew Neal. And yeah. And you, are you going to be like popping up as like the, the, the woke bollocks correspondent? where something... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Well, if you want to put it that way, yeah. A man on the scene outside the ECB, Andrew Doyle, what's happened now? Well, an 11-year-old has been found to have had an immoral thought whilst but, playing yeah, with the Tamagotchi back in the 90s. It is sort of like that. But on the other hand, like I really want the opportunity to talk to these people. Like, it'd be great to talk yeah. to someone at the ECB and say, can you explain your thought process here? Because everyone's really confused. You know, it'd, yeah. it'd be a really good thing to do. I mean, one of the biggest problems we face in having a more balanced reaction to events is that there's a lot of white blokes in their 50s getting paid a lot of money who've decided that they they the thing they fear most is being cancelled and the way to manage that is by cancelling as many other people as they can. Right. Okay. Well, that, that, that way lies anarchy, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Listen, Andrew Doyle, thanks so much uh, for coming on the podcast. Uh, check out uh, Andrew's book or, or his books. He's got several books out. Uh, check out his show on GB News. And I will be back next week with another podcast. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thank you. Okay.